welcome to the In Control podcast by Run Events. Make yourself comfortable and get ready to discover the latest event tech, insights, and trends for event professionals. Everything is under control. Welcome, everyone, to the um, very first edition of the In Control webinar, which will be hosted by uh, the great co-host uh, Edith Agajan and uh, myself. And each webinar, we are going to have a very special guest who is somebody very special in the events industry. So the webinar itself, it will be about the uh, events industry, about events, about event tech. Every day, yeah, uh, my name is Alice Hugo. I'm 2002. I have been asked for the first time by Microsoft to present a session at a huge amount. I have been convinced that I can. And I have done that, and since then I basically did not stop. I have counted the other day. I have uh, presented almost 600 since 2012. I'm organizing two large events which are affiliated with Microsoft European Collaboration Summit and European Cloud Summit with altogether 4,000 people. So I know the industry from the organizer. I'm with my company together, of course, building the event management platform, Run Events. So uh, I can say I'm the event industry from the for complete edit. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, we're very happy that you decided to spend this time with us and learn a little bit about our experiences and also feel free to share your comments. My name is Edita Gorzhan and I'm a very happy person who is a part of Run Events team as a customer success representative. And yeah, I'm also strongly connected with uh, Microsoft community. And when today I started to think with, when it has started, it was around 2015, you're right, is 2016. Basically, the first event I have started as a part of Microsoft community, it was 2016. Very first small event in Warsaw, in Microsoft Office. And yeah, until that time, the largest events uh, around Microsoft, right? <laughs> we have also Mira on the call. We are very lucky ones to have such a perfect guest for our very first webinar. So Mira, if you could introduce yourself and also share your story about your... Well, I guess I'm the youngest one among our t- uh, us three because uh, my experiences in events started with Dynamics Minds uh, this year in 2023. 23, yes, we had the first one. But before that, what I organized was um, kids' birthday parties, which and plus people. That was maximum. So, yeah. But those things are not easy to organize, I can tell you. Well, yeah, well, well, you must not limit them. It is actually very similar with the conferences as well. Mira, I can remember very well when um, I have been called by uh, you Uh and by Jure uh, Uh to say, hey, we want to create an event in Slovenia. It's also an IT event, Dynamics Minds. EverybodyDynamicsMinds.com. If you are into uh, Microsoft Dynamics or Microsoft Power Platform, that's the place to be in uh, in the uh, late May 2024. And if we can use run uh, run events back then, and I remember that my very very first question to you uh, to you and to you was like, so is this going to be an online event? I can immediately remember Yuras Yuras uh, uh, frown on his face. He was he was just looking at me. And you had your famous no. <laughs> so when you when you guys in the but we speak about late pandemic times, and here I get call from you and uh, Yuri about about organizing an in person event. Can you tell us your ideas, your uh, 
worries, uh, what's going to happen, how it's going to be, are we doing this online, hybrid, in-person, very in-person? I'm sure you have like a million of those questions in your minds when you started doing that. Yeah, well, actually we didn't. I mean, we wanted to in-person and that was it, right? So Why in-person? But it is uh, one thing I, I have to read it because I have to quote my colleague. I really like the sentence that uh, the definition, the quote. She said, Corona taught us to choose the format based on a goal we have in mind. And we really wanted to build awareness and we wanted to like this wider aspect of the event. Right. And if you go in virtual, you do. I mean, that is how we came up on brainstorming. It, it is more like cherishing, educating, but specific. And then it was like overwhelming. <laughs> so, how many yeah. online events did you visit during the pandemic times? Uh, how many online events? Uh, me personally, I, yeah, I was, personally. I, yeah, I'm introvert, right? Uh-huh. And I had three teenage kids at home, like for the whole period of time. For me, this was like, oh my God, blessing from the sky. Like really the best time ever. <laughs> so because they were at home and we had fun. So but online events actually I usually I listen to the recording of the events. So I don't know, maybe Edita has more insight of it, but Edita, yeah, it's how a many good... online events did you attend or organize for that? Uh, uh yeah. for sure I do organize, I, I organized one. It was quite good timing because it was short when the pandemic season has been announced. We haven't had much struggles to attract people. But later, I knew it that after the first event that it, there is no go for the future. Simply this human interactions were missing. This is what events are about. It's about content. It, of course, it's about networking, but how to network and how to really connect, build uh, friendships online. I'm not good at this. And I think that I'm rather extrovert instead of introvert and I didn't know how to find myself in this reality therefore I haven't had the real passion for organizing online events I'm very honest if you're asking me how many events I have joined as 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 attendee I would say I've been joining maybe a few if there was a session or something specifically what was interesting for me just to see the specific content, even not the entire session, maybe just some pieces from the session and that's it. And frankly, it's also not not good behavior, but I cannot sit in front of the computer. I, I have a recipe if you cannot focus. You can clean the house and listen to the... Mira told me one thing which I actually not, didn't even consider in preparation for this for this webinar is like, I wouldn't visit it, I would get the recording later. Yeah. And uh, that's actually the saddest thing everybody ever said about online events. And also the truthest, uh, the most tr- truthful thing everybody uh, said uh, about uh, online events. So uh, we did an uh, online event and we even had 8,000 attendees, which was, if they were great. But I have been talking to our sponsors after the event and uh, one thing, we did not just change the format from uh, in-person to online. We said we are postponing in-person event and uh, to fill the gap, we are putting an online thing. So we did not just say, yeah, whatever, we are just converting, uh, converting the format. That, that was not what we wanted. But all of our sponsors said, like, yeah, great that you did it, guys. Great for the awareness. But we are sponsoring it only because it's, because it's you. 
because we are with you for the past eight or nine. And uh, we cannot we cannot really ignore the fact that sponsors and exhibitors are very important part of the whole ecosystem that we are work, uh, working on. And if you eliminate this factor by not giving them any incentive to be there, and if we hear that attendees are actually, as Mira just said, uh, basically just listening to the sessions after they, they have uh, happened, isn't it the truth that, we, uh, that everything that stays out of online events is basically a YouTube I don't know, Eddie, your take on this? Yeah, for, for me, that there were very challenging times. I mean, at the beginning, it was nice to have everything online uh, and quite easy access, but as I said, for real human interactions, and I believe that conferences are built for that, it was missing on every layer, right. on but every... Even that part, which, we, uh, which, we, which all of us tried somehow to figure, and uh, which would be basically, okay, let's have an open chat where we can chat among uh, each other attendees and with the speakers, that also didn't really work well, because I have caught myself so many times while attending an online event that I actually have it over, uh, open on one monitor and I'm doing something completely. And we, even with the online events, we had, uh, we had the whole vocabulary around it. For the first time in my life, I heard the um, uh, expression like Zoom fatigue, yeah. which basically means you are sitting the whole day in front of your screen and looking at the online meeting. Well, now I, I can, for my, for my, um, for myself, I, I can maybe uh, claim the same, uh, just being team fatigue, but for whole different reasons. But yeah, the whole this thing, let's meet just online, just online, it's as good. It shows us that it has not been as good and that the uh, online events right now are not, uh, nobody wants to do them now. But I let me be the devil's lawyer to break one other thing. I think they will partly come back. I mean, there are things we have learned. I think that we do, we will see a rebound of the online events to a degree. I will see, I think we will uh, see some of the really good aspects of those, uh, which we would, uh, I mean, we speak in, of the world in 2023. Online events, especially for the large international events, they are dramatically reducing carbon footprint. I mean, it's one thing when you don't have thousands of people flying over the ocean. That's a, that isn't serious uh, serious issue. Then uh, online events uh, also do tackle a question of uh, inclusivity in a way that not everybody can uh, maybe could not everybody could even attend the uh, event. Even if we speak about uh, company event, in person event, uh, company event. Eddie, uh, for example, Eddie and me are coming from the Microsoft uh, ecosystem. You know that. Not everybody can afford a flight to Seattle to be uh, at, the, uh, at the MVP summit. It's just the fact as it is. Online events do have some good sides. So, Mira, how are you guys uh, doing marketing? I know some of things, but I want you uh, to tell us. And uh, what are you doing uh, related to? I mean, uh, of course, uh, how do we? We do it differently, marketing. I mean, we do the, the same regular strategies and so on. We do plan it. We, we do plan campaigns. We kind of have a kind of a lean approach to try it and to pull it out or like not to put it in too much. But there's one, as Spiller said, our data, marketing data geek, as she said, that there's a bigger concern than wasting money is how you cannot measure how much will you lose if you are not present, right, with marketing. But marketing is not sales. So this is something that we learn actually within the event. You have to have people to go to the companies to uh, like, so it is separate. So yeah, 
Eddie, you are completely in charge, and I know that for a fact uh, about the marketing of European Cooperation Summit, European Cloud Summit. What are the both those will both events do uh, in that regard? Can you tell us a bit more about that? There are different activities to really stay present in in community minds that we are there unless the conference is happening once a year. So of course we are pushing harder before uh, and of course we are we're actively promoting ourselves through for different channels. I see at least one challenge for marketers who are responsible for running the basically return on investment how to make sure that all the activities, how they are matching the current ticket sales, no matter if those are paid or free tickets, but what's the turnover. <laughs> and I believe that this is the biggest challenge. You would still like to know what's going, what's actually going on uh, with, you, with your marketing sales. If you can pay, let's say very often you're running, you're running few campaigns parallel. Some of them are paid campaigns where you have to invest money, money. Some of them, uh, some of them are organic campaigns. Some of them are influencer campaigns. There are all different things that you are uh, running in parallel uh, most of the times. But you would, at some point of time, you would want to know if the paid, uh, paid campaigns did cause some direct sales. But you will never know if paid campaigns are have caused and some indirect sales, which comes like you see in a commercial, uh, but you are not going as a person, you are going, uh, your company is basically sending you to an event. Then you need to ask uh, for the permission, you need to ask for a budget, you need to ask for a time off. And it's very often somebody else, Google Analytics, which you all use on uh, in one or another way uh, from, from technology perspective, because Google Analytics stops where the uh, on the cross domain. When you change domain, Google Analytics cannot uh, track your sale. And 99% of the events uh, rely on the different services for ticket sales. So uh, they are not they are not on the same domain. They usually are transferred to some other some other domain to actually do the ticket checkout and uh, to do the actual payment. So this train of thought, if I may say, to run events and sit together and say, like, what can we do to change this? What can we do to to remove this pain, at least partly for the direct sales, uh, which we can. And uh, then we had a feature which we have called precision marketing tracking. Because what we are, do uh, we are doing, we are, when the potential attendees land on the website through a Facebook marketing campaign, a Google marketing campaign, LinkedIn marketing campaign, uh, name, uh, name them, we are actually try trying to take over, or even newsletter and email marketing campaigns. They are they're perfectly legal, uh, okay? Uh, we are uh, trying to take those marketing standardized marketing trackers. This is a really a new. Uh, this is a new thing. This is a kind of a changing a bit of a game into uh, in, in ticket sales, showing actually. What obviously, we will never be able to say uh, uh, because of the indirect sales, we will never be able to track this completely. It's just a user behavior. It's just co corporate policies that the people who actually do go to the events don't buy the tickets. Somebody else buys it for them. So we will not be able, we will never be able to have that all together. But we will, uh, we are going to, uh, uh, two organizers uh, to do it. And I will use this webinar right now to announce something which is coming in the uh, early Q1 of 2024, which will be calling influencer campaigns, which basically say that you will be able to utilize your speakers, your sponsors, your current attendees, to share their attendance uh, in the uh, at your event have actually brought you new attendees, and then you can reward them either with some 
proper rewards, or you can combine it with our gamification, where you say, hey, when you do that, you get another 500 collab coins. How do you call? How did you call the coins uh, in the dynamics manager? You can those oh, bitches. I, for, uh, I forgot. I, I, I forgot. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> So we will, we will be able with normal with dynamics minds, but yeah. So very, very soon, the very early uh, 2024 influencer comp- uh, marketing and influencer campaigns yeah. uh, into run events to help organizers to sell even more. Pretty nice. When did you say, like December 15th or? No, this say? this now the precision market for the precision marketing tracking and for the influencer campaigns is going to be early early January. Nice. Yeah. The last topic for today, Mira, for you. Yeah. Something we all of registration better. So yeah, that's uh, how to make it eco-friendly. Uh, that's the the main concern that we have actually for twenty four, because when you, I mean, it's not such a big conference. It's one one point two k of attendees, right? But then if you look at the waste, it's uh, still you leave a pr- footprint, right? So yeah. What we were thinking actually in uh, what direction, like to use uh, recycled paper and to use recycled linears. Then we were even brainstorming how to do it uh, only virtually, but uh, like via the app. But um, the the main point is, is there's no way you can remember all the people, right? And you, yes. it's mm-hmm. so unpolite to forget your name, uh, like meeting you the third time, and you this badge really helps you. Or then I think Spela came with some kind of electronic device, like to be reusable on the several, but that was more like a joke. And then what else we were thinking? One thing, uh, you actually mentioned those stickers that uh, that are pulled together. I forgot the, the yes. expression. Yes, yes, yes. I experienced that uh, in South Coast Summit and I was absolutely impressed. The speed, the, the everything. What the only concern is, you know, it's it's almost plastic, right? You cannot recycle it. So uh, this depends what paper you use. Depends oh, really? what paper you use. Okay. I have been now at two different events recently. One is uh, was Event Tech Live in London, and they have used that, and the paper was really almost plastic. I also wasn't really impressed by that thing. But the same thing, uh, for example, I have seen many different events, including ESPC at your different mm-hmm. They use a paper. This is basically a paper which you use, but it's tear-resistant paper. You cannot, mm-hmm. you cannot even if you want. I mean, you really need to put a lot of force into this to actually tear it, which is almost basically impossible. And this might be an answer because this is paper. This is an easily recyclable. The advantage is if you print it directly during the registration, then you also have no waste. So you, yeah. you print only those badges which you actually need. Because I will tell you, we were struggling a lot. Like five years ago, we were still having paper badges, which we would put in the plastic bags. Yeah. So the first thing we got rid of were those plastic bags. Because those those are they are basically not uh, necessary, not really necessary, and not, not really mm-hmm. not really environment friendly. But the issue really was like where to get the paper, which is actually which you can actually not uh, not hear. So uh, this is one what we have been using. We're just being using basically thicker paper, and until recently we have been using something. We will be print, printing the, the templates in the professional print shop. 
and then we will be using label stickers, uh, label uh, label printers, so label mm -hmm. sticker printers, and just print uh, the QR code, uh, Mira Rajman and mm -hmm. uh, company name, and, uh, and uh, you uh, you think that. But then the issue with that one was that you always print more of those templates you actually need. And especially, for example, if you need different templates, so you say uh, attendee template, speaker template, sponsor template, template, VIP template, press template, most of the printers will tell you that the smallest quantity they can print is hundreds of those badges. You know, what, you have six, seven journalists, and you print yeah. hundreds of the badges, you know by, you know immediately 90 of those you are going to throw away, but you have no, you have no chance, basically, uh, to this one. So that was also, okay, it was paper, but it was also a lot of paper based. For two years now, we have gone, we have gone to this, uh, it's basically a paper in which I would say that there's some kind of um, fabric inside, which it helps not, not, not to get broken. But uh, in the same time, it's, um, it's not plastic. It doesn't feel like plastic. So I, I don't see any plastic inside. And... There are multiple ways to print those for both I have seen. There's, you can use it also on the budget or you can use it on the premium printers. I have seen uh, the printers which are mainly being used are either Zebra printers for, for budget printing. They look like this. They are perfectly fine. They are just in black and white because the Zebra is using thermal technology to, uh, to print those. Or you can go with Epson printers. Epson uh, Colorworks 3500, I think uh, is a printer name, mm -hmm. which is an inkjet printer. So it uses standard inkjet technology. It's really fast. It prints one badge in under 10 seconds. So this is something that we are using now to go on demand and to print the badges in person during the registration just, just to remove the waste. And they are also combinable with those devices that you maybe see beside me, uh, behind me, the, those uh, self-registration kiosks. Mm -hmm. So five minutes before our time we can uh, finish, I need now to... Uh, announce our next uh, webinar from Eddie and me. And um, we are going to... Mira has already asked me, like, what's the topic? <laughs> Sorry. I All good. All good. <laughs> so, um, you know, like uh, for event organizers, it's always, how do you manage speakers? How do you manage sessions? Excel? Mm -hmm. Or uh, what do you do? I can see in a lot of systems tell you, yeah, yeah, you bring your sessions and speakers in Excel and you can import it. And then when I asked, and how do you bring them to Excel? Mm -hmm. This is where uh, you see the silence. So uh, managing the whole life cycles of content life. I, I really like to call it uh, event content life cycle. From opening call for content, from uh, speakers submitting their sessions, from uh, forming the content teams, because content teams can be really multidisciplinary from different people. Our content team was five people and I thought it's decent content team, but then I have seen content team of the Dynamics Minds. You guys are what, 12 people in the content team? Yeah, something like that. So, and we're not everybody's, uh, not everybody's rating all sessions. So they all have their own small... Uh, Buckets, right? Buckets. Buckets, the, yeah. where, they, where they do those stuff. To publishing this selection, to communicating with speakers, to collecting the feedback from the audience to the speakers, and mm -hmm. then from speaker um, speaker sharing their session assets, session materials with the audience. It's a whole life cycle, it's a whole circle, if you want. And we are, this is going to be our next topic. 
We already know our next guest, but I'm going to shut up now and uh, not to spoil surprise, which is going to happen sometimes early uh, January. That's a person who is very, very much into what we are talking about, and uh, it will be fun talking to him about that. And that's oh, we know it's a man. Half puzzle gold. We need to keep diversity here, Mira. <laughs> you see? <laughs> And that's going to be on the 13th of January, very end of January, again with Edita Bajon and myself as hosts and a man uh, being uh, our guest uh, talking about sessions. Thanks for being yeah, here and see you thank in you. less than two months. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a nice holiday. Have a nice holidays. Bye.